Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to talk about the dangers of idolatry. The dangers of idolatry. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. And as we move toward this segment, I just wanted to remind everyone uh, as it relates to our mission, our mandate given to us by Jesus himself, uh, that we ought to go out and make disciples. And I like to use Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which reminds us uh, that we need to go, therefore, uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things uh, whatsoever he's commanded us, and lo, uh, he'll be with us even into the end of the world. And this is what he gave the disciples. But that mandate is still applicable today. It is a prescriptive text, meaning that is binding upon all Christians. All of us are supposed to be witnesses. All of us are supposed to evangelize. All of us are supposed to make disciples. All of us uh, are to share the gospel as it has been given to us. So as Christians, um, it's important. You know, Christianity uh, it's not just a title. It's not just an adjective. Uh, it's also a verb. And in that context, we got to do something. A verb shows action. So when we've been converted, when we've been saved, it is imperative that we go about being about the Father's business. We, we, we have to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We have to be a witness. Uh, we have to be a light. We have to be Salty, meaning that in the ancient days, uh, salt was used to preserve. They didn't have refrigerators. So in order to preserve the food, it would be um, put in salt to make it last longer. So in that sense, uh, we are to preserve the teachings of God. We are to uh, curate the uh, teachings of God. We are to make sure that uh, we keep God's word the way that it needs to be. We, we, we have to preserve the teachings of Christ. And not only do we do that, we pass it along to others. And then as light, Christians are also called lights. And lights meaning that other people will see what they need to do, number one, to gain salvation, number two, to live in a holy way, uh, to, uh, to live in a sanctified way. Uh, we are... Uh, advertisers, for lack of better terminologies. We advertise what God is doing and what God can do in the life of humans. We're living in a dark world. And then the difference in the dark world um, is the light. 
Light permeates, light shines, light intrudes darkness. And that's what we do. We intrude darkness. We are different. We're not trying to be like the darkness. We are set apart, which is the definition of holiness. We are set apart, which is the definition of sanctification. We're set apart for God to use. So in that sense, we are light. We are to be salted. We are sojourners, meaning that we are passing through. This is not our residence. We're passing through. Peter says we're, we, we are pilgrims. Our definite or, 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 or eternal destination is heaven. We're passing through. I know this life um, is, is full of things that we hold on to, uh, that we become accustomed to. Uh, this life uh, is filled with fun. Nothing wrong with fun. This life is filled with joy. We should have joy. God gives us joy. Regardless of circumstances, we have joy. Uh, this life is filled with uh, challenges. It's filled with fear. It's filled with mourning. The, 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 this life is filled with a lot of things that we're familiar with. And sometimes when uh, we hold on uh, so tight to the familiarity that we lose faith. And we're not willing to go outside of our comfort zone to fulfill the things that God wants us to do. So this message today is dealing with uh, how to avoid idolatry, how to avoid idolatry. And idolatry is is uh, essentially the attempt to worship multiple gods. It's the attempt to worship multiple gods. And you may be saying, well, I love Christ and I'm a Christian. I, I, I don't worship multiple gods. And that may be true. But there are some uh, who are worshiping multiple entities. We say we love God, but we worship money. We say we love God, but we worship immorality. We say we love God, but uh, we embrace uh, syncreticism. And syncreticism is the attempt to blend in two different belief systems. We can't say we love God and yet hate our brother or sister. That's inconsistent. So syncreticism, for example, uh, could be something as simple as if you encounter a culture and that culture is doing something that is blatantly against God's word and you try to appease both sides. You try to appease God, but yet also continue to do what that culture is doing Uh, in terms of those things that are contradictory to the will of God. You can't blend unrighteousness with righteousness. You can't blend holiness with unholiness. You can't put old wine into new wineskin. That's what uh, the scripture was talking about. So uh, syncreticism attempts to do that. And so we don't want to be syncretic. We, we, we want to worship God without all these other distractions. So uh, it's important that we avoid idolatry. The question is, do all religions lead to the same God? Are we essentially worshiping the same God and just maybe doing it in a different way? According to the scriptures, the answer is unequivocally no, no. Uh, Jesus reminds us that he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The law of of how 
and who to worship can be traced to the Ten Commandments. The first and second commandments are inextricably tied in together. The first and second commandments. Listen to this. You should have no other gods before me. You should make not, uh, not, not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. God's holy scripture tell us the following, that God is a jealous God. Exodus 34, verses 10 through 17. God is a jealous God, not in the, in, in the sense of human jealousy. Human jealousy is tainted with, with, with uh, natural bias. God has no natural bias. God is fully loving. God is fully perfect. So when it talks about jealousy, we use that term because that's the closest uh, verbiage we can use to describe God's nature that we are familiar with. When we're jealous, uh, oftentimes our jealousy could be rooted in righteousness and sometimes it could be rooted in unrighteousness based on our finitude, based on our human limitations. And that's where it gets complicated because sometimes jealousy um, is unfounded and, and it's used in a negative way. But when it comes to God, again, it, it's, it's an anthropomorphic term, meaning that uh, we're using human terms to try to grasp who God truly is. It, this term signifies that God does not want us, uh, uh, um, uh, he doesn't want us to give to others what is due him, to be given to someone else or something else. It is the will of God for his creation to turn their affection towards him. The whole story of Hosea reinforces this doctrine of God being a jealous God. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hosea's relationship with his adulterous wife, Gomer, is like Israel's relationship with God. Hosea 4, verses 12 and Hosea 9 and 1. Despite Israel's claim to keep their part of the spiritual covenant, they went whoring after other gods. The following scripture further highlights God's disdain for idolatrous relationships. Leviticus 17 and 7, if you're taking notes, uh, Leviticus 20, 5 through 6, as well as Deuteronomy 31 and 16, Judges 2 and 17, Judges 8 and 33. And there's 
uh, other scriptures, but we'll stick with the ones that I just I've just uh, elaborated on. Leviticus seventeen seven, Leviticus twenty five through six, Deuteronomy thirty one and sixteen, Judges two and seventeen, Judges eight thirty three. Then not only does God warns us against idolatry, uh, and the Bible tell us uh, that He's a jealous God. Not not only uh, is he a jealous God, but he asks us or he tells us to not, that he doesn't share his glory with anyone. Worship given to any creation is considered idolatrous. See, we can't blur the line between the creator and the created. God, the creator, uh, demands worship. Creation should not be worshipped. So again, Worship given to any creation is considered idolatrous. Since God is not created, he's the only one that can properly accept worship. As a result, he demands that we worship him alone. He demands that we worship him alone. He does not tolerate the misuse of the tribute and worship that deservedly belongs to him. The prophet Isaiah uh, speaks on this topic, and he's clear. He said, I am the Lord, and, and, and he's quoting God. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Isaiah 42 and 8. Again, God uh, wants exclusive worship. He is the only one that we ought to worship. Not man, not things. God is the only one we ought to worship. And it brings to mind the condition of our society. Scripture reminds us that the love of money is the root of all evil. And when you love money, money is your God. Money is what you worship. In the same way, uh, some people are addicted to uh, spending money. Spending money is their God. Uh, In some cases, clothing is people's gods. In some clay, uh, place, in some cases, uh, cars are people's gods. In some cases, houses are people's gods. In some cases, uh, investments are people people's gods. In, in some cases, uh, fame is people's gods. In some cases, um, having titles are people's some people's gods. So we have to be careful. That we don't worship anything or anyone outside of God. The misuse of God's glory occurs when we take his truth and we alter it. Modified truth is not really truth. It's in short, falsehood. The devil is very skilled with taking a little bit of truth and mixing it with harmful lies. This is the status of any religion that offers salvation outside of Christ. The Bible is filled with narratives about Israel's idolatry. Despite God's warning, many continue to defy his orders by incorporating other gods made with hands. This is an important point. Any worship that takes place outside of Christ is considered idolatrous. In short, it is not okay to misappropriate God's glory that is due to him. We find the following false gods in the Bible. The worship of these false idols were condemned. 
Likewise, the worship of contemporary false idols are also rejected and condemned. We find Ashtoreth, the Canaanite goddess of fertility, in 1 Samuel 31, 6 through 10. We find Baal, or some of you all pronounce it Baal, the Canaanite god who was worshipped in various forms. He was known at times as the fertility and storm god. And you will find uh, this mention of Baal in Hosea 9 and 10, Judges 3 and 3, Judges 8, 33, 1 Kings 16, 29 through 30, uh, 33. These are false idols. Ashtoreth, Baal, even Shemosh. Shemosh was the god of the Moabites as well as the Ammonites. The name literally means conqueror or the one who subdues. He, the worshipers of this God also practice human sacrifice. You can read 1 Kings 11 and 7, 2 Kings 23 and 13, and Jeremiah 48 and 46. Again, these are examples of false gods which angered God. So it's not okay to say I love Jesus, but yet I'm going to worship Buddha. It's not okay to say I love Jesus, but yet I'm going to uh, uh, worship uh, Joseph Smith. I'm going to worship uh, Muhammad. I'm going to worship any other created being or thing. God does not approve of us worshiping the creation. He wants us to worship the creator, and that's God. Then there's Dagon. Dagon was a god worshipped by the Philistines. He was known as the god of water as well as the god of grain. Samson died at the temple dedicated to Dagon. Read 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, or 1 Chronicles 10 and 10. Then uh, Murdoch. Murdoch was the supreme god of the Babylonians, and he was associated with fertility and vegetation. There were at least 50 names used for Murdoch in ancient Mesopotamia. The Assyrians also uh, worshipped Murdoch, as well as the Persians also worshipped Murdoch. Read 2 Kings 25 through 27, Isaiah 39 and 1. Then Milcom. Milcom was another Ammonite god. His worship included uh, the telling of the future in occultism. Read 1 Kings 11 and 5, 1 Kings 11, 33, 2 Kings 23 and 13. Then finally, Artemis, uh, who was also called Diana. Artemis was worshipped by the Greeks and viewed as the goddess of fertility as well as the goddess of the underworld. Romans also worshipped Artemis and called her Diana, as evidenced in the city of Ephesus. Read Acts 19, verses 23 through 41. So it's clear. It's clear that God does not want us worshipping uh, these false idols that people create, these demigods that people uh, uh, worship. God doesn't want to worship uh, doesn't want us to worship any other God. He, he, he doesn't want us to uh, uh, worship anything or anyone else but him. This is the danger of idolatry. God said he's a jealous God. He will share his glory with no one. That's the standard. God does not want to, uh, for us to give our hearts 
to other people, to other things. God wants us to give our hearts totally to him, totally to him. We don't want to be like Israel where we, 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 we confess our love for God with our lips, but our heart is far away from him. We don't want to be that way. Who wants to be in a relationship, if we can put it in human terms? Who wants to be in a relationship, uh, if, if the person is in their right minds? Who wants to be in a relationship where uh, both parties agree uh, to uh, show fidelity, and yet the other person is sneaking off, uh, giving their hearts to someone else? Nobody uh, who agrees to those terms will put up with it. Then we get to the point where we have to understand that it's not okay. I'm repeating this again. It's not okay for us to say we are Christians, but yes, embracing other religions. God is not putting up with it because he set the standard. This is not my rule. This is what the scripture tells us, that God doesn't want us to bring in any other religions. It has to be Christianity alone. God set the parameters. God set the rules. And he knows best. And if we look at Israel's history, Israel uh, was inclined to go whoring after other gods. That's what the scripture says. Uh, Israel would say they love God. They would, they, they, uh, establish a wedding, um, uh, coronation at the foot of Mount Sinai. They told God that they would be a bride to him. And, but yet when it was convenient for them, they would embrace other gods. They would embrace the Canaanite God. They would embrace, uh, Ammonite God. And, and that wasn't acceptable in the same way. God doesn't want us. Worshiping other gods. This was the problem with Solomon. Solomon, even being as wise as he was, Solomon had a blind spot, just like his father. Solomon loved the ladies. And when Solomon started compromising his um, God-centered ethics, uh, the devil used women to lure him away from his fidelity toward God. So he started compromising. And once you start compromising, you don't know where the devil's going to take you. This is why it's important to never compromise. Don't bring in other things uh, in between the relationship between you and God. Don't bring in anyone else that doesn't know God and, and, and start a union with them. Uh, this is why Paul talks about in terms of relationships in the New Testament that we shouldn't be unequally yoked. Um, and I'll let you read that portion of scripture. But in terms of idolatry, the devil will use anyone or anything to lure you away from your intimacy with God. So what I want to do is I, I, I want to do my best to try to touch on um, some examples of, uh, of idolatrous worship. Uh, examples of idolatrous worship. And again, idolatrous worship, I'm classifying that as those things that are non-Christians, those religions that are non-Christian, those groups that are non-Christians, that deny the divinity of Christ, that deny that Jesus is the only way, that deny the uh, authenticity of the physical resurrection. Uh, those are the groups that I want to highlight. 
Now, as we move forward, um, I want to just make this disclaimer. Whatever we do, whenever we witness, we're not witnessing with uh, a heavy hand. We're not witnessing uh, to try to condemn people. That belongs to God. What we're doing is we are reporters. We're journalists. We are reporting what the gospel says. And what the gospel tells us is that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only monogenous son. That means unique son. And that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but he or she should have everlasting life. And then John 14 and 6 reminds us that Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. So on our next segment, we're out of time, but on our next segment, uh, I want to build on this where we, talk, where we introduce uh, everyone to the different religions, uh, some of the uh, popular major religions that are non-Christians, and we want to talk about how we can interact with them or how we should interact with them. Again, we thank you all for your prayers, and as always, we need your support. Uh, We need your financial donations. If you're listening to the show and uh, you haven't become a monthly supporter, please consider becoming a monthly supporter. Visit our website uh, or make your checks out to Sound Reasoning Ministries, P.O. Box 582306, El Grove, California, 95758. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.